0: the Tuesday edition, All right? Welcome back, everybody. An Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders and the two of us, yes. Frick and frack, whatever you want to call us, Ebony and Ivory, It, whatever you want to call us, you can call us that. We are your hosts. I am Scott Cobranson. I am joined by my good friend and broadcast partner, Mr. Mo Moten, is a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also a Raiders columnist, up on sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten. That's M O E M O T O N. I am at LV gully, the show SNB today. If you don't already subscribe, what the heck is wrong with you? Make sure you do it. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, you will find silver and black today. So do that, put on the auto download that way you don't miss a show and there's so much going on now. You just never know when we're going to drop something as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, Hey, hope you're good. You're in the chat. You're having fun tonight. Thank you so much for being with us. Subscribe, hit the notifications bell there as well. Okay, Mo, a busy week already. The quarterback market is being set. Derek Carr on Monday gets a $100 million deal, four years with the New Orleans Saints. And then Geno Smith gets a three-year deal over $100 million, reports up to $125, dollars million, 100, somewhere around there, not exact yet. As we record the show, but certainly uh, Geno Smith and Derek Carr are kind of set in the quarterback market. We kind of expected Carr might be the first domino to fall, and indeed he was. He goes to the NFC South where you were screaming seven weeks ago that that's where he was going to go. And guess what? He ends up there. And so we are now in a position where we know two of the quarterbacks are lining up. We're coming off the combine, we're going to get to that conversation, but with this breaking news yesterday, want to start with there. Tell me, Mo, your initial impressions with these two quarterback deals.
1: First of all, I find it hilarious how people are trying to frame Derek Carr's contract to fit their narrative to say I was right. <laughs> and I'll be the first to say, look, I said Derek Carr would be in the range of 28 to 32 million. To me the way I look at his contract, I look at it in terms of guaranteed money because how many players actually finish out the length of their the entire length of their contract? So the way I look at it as Derek Carr got 100 million for 3 years. If you if you're going to look at it, actually I'll say look I I'll, I'll put it this way. It's a it's 70 million for 3 years. Simply because that fourth year there's no guaranteed money on that year. Right. Uh, I believe it's 60 million up front for the first 2 years and then Ten million if he's on the he's, if he's on the uh, roster for yeah roster March bonus. yep so seventy for three years I'll say but if you want to stretch it out and say you want to stretch it out for the length to exclude the non guarantee year be three years about a hundred million so that's that's good for Derek Carr and you, you didn't mention he got no trade clause yes. again so to me it, it seems like Derek Carr did pretty well for himself now again there'll be people out there say. Uh, he, he, he got a lot less. I think his contract right now is basically on par with what he had with the Raiders plus he gets more guaranteed money. So I, I think if you're Derek Carr, if you're his agent, did a pretty good job on the market, to, to, despite what people are going to say. The Geno Smith contract is interesting because in the first year, he's going to get 52 million. Yeah. So, and it, to me, the way I read it, it averages out to about 35 million per year. So the big takeaway for me is the middle tier of quarterbacks you're going to get around 30 to 35 million. And I think this is important to note for Raiders fans because all reports are that they're after Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to command about 30-plus million. And Mm -hmm. Vinny Bonson, you have the Las Vegas Review Journal said he doesn't see the Raiders paying Jimmy Garoppolo on par with what Derek Carr got. So (laughs) if it's below 30 million, I would consider it. If it's above, if it's 30 million above, no pass, no thanks.
0: Right. And and what that points to me, Mo, is that the Raiders – are going to roll with a Jared Stidham. I I still think they're going to get a young quarterback where we're going to get to that in a minute when we talk about the combine. But right now, if they're not going to pay the the going rate for a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, clearly, because those two guys um, set the market right now, but they're not top tier quarterbacks. So you look at Jimmy G coming off the injuries and all that. Some people are like, well, he's not an upgrade from Derek Carr. Yeah, you could say that because of his lack of avail- availability. The guy has won playoff games, right? So he has something that Derek Carr doesn't. He's the same age. And so, yes, I don't think the Raiders should pay $35 million a year for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you roll with stand him if you're going after a young quarterback. If the Raiders do sign somebody like Garoppolo or someone else, Bridgewater, somebody like that, then that tells me that they are not necessarily going after their young quarterback uh this year so if, if they make a signing pretty quickly here then we don't know what's going to happen but mo i think if you look at the situation and how this is all netting out uh it certainly points to a combination what we've been saying for a long time now right about the raiders quarterback situation is they're going to roll with some sort of veteran jared stidham somebody like that and then they're going to bring in a young guy and i don't even consider chase garbers a a, a, a chance garbers a, a A player in this he might be in camp yes because he's under contract but right now to me this is where the 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 rubber hits the road for the Raiders because they have to decide if they're going to sign a free agent the dominoes are falling now right we saw this happen starting on Monday with those two quarterbacks you're going to start to see deals happen
1: well the first thing I think is going to happen is they're going to resign Jarrett Stidham there was a weird tweet. I think you remember this guy. Someone said, Jared Stidham doesn't even want to play for Josh McDaniels. Remember that, yeah. I don't know if you remember that tweet? They're <laughs> I probably going to resign Jared Stidham. It'll be Jared Stidham over Jacoby Brissett, in my opinion, because Jared Stidham has been around Josh McDaniels for the last, what, four years. The wild card that we haven't mentioned in this is Aaron Rodgers. Now that Derek Carr is in New Orleans, what if Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, but he doesn't want to go to the Jets? Ah. Do the Raiders then step in and say, well, we'll – we, we're interested in Aaron Rodgers, but we're not going to give up a first-round pick for him. So this is the proposal I heard from Connor Rodgers, who's a former Bleacher Report host. And I, th- and I found this interesting. He said he doesn't think the Jets would be willing to give up a first-rounder this year for Aaron Rodgers. Next year, yes, but not this mm. year. So if the Packers drop the price, and I said this on a previous show, if the Packers drop the price for Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't have a strong market and they just want to part ways with him, I could see the Raiders jumping into the conversation if they say, "Okay, we'll take a second round pick this year and then we'll take a conditional second, third round pick next year. Now, again, I wouldn't give up a future first for him because he could retire after next season. But if they're they're asking for second, third round picks, which I think Pat Doherty said was his compensation price for Aaron Rodgers until scouts corrected him and said, no, it's going to take a one. If they drop the price, then I think the Raiders might get involved.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting because that's, that's what's happening, right? The Jets are waiting, and the Jets may be, uh, you know, the last in line for a dance partner, and there's no partners left, uh, which would be really unfortunate for them, but that's the way it works. You know, if you don't jump on your guy and you have second thoughts or you're not sure and all that and you hem and haw, guess what happens? The Saints sign your guy, and then if Rodgers stays in Green Bay or if he ends up in Las Vegas, wherever he ends up going, if anywhere – then suddenly you're, you're, just, you're, you're down uh, the, the old creek, they say, uh, in, in the vernacular. I will save the one word, uh, but you know what it is. So, so interesting times, and, and it'll be funny, but yes, the, the Derek Carr signing clearly money-wise, um, they have, I'm sure when we learn more about the contract that they have some similar outs as well. The guaranteed money is there, so good for him. Derek Carr bet on himself, and overall he didn't do too bad, right? He could have done much worse. But the market there was for him, and he found the great opportunity as well. And I think you mentioned it on Twitter as we close on this item, which was there was no wonder the Raiders were not hip to Derek Carr giving him permission to talk to teams because look, he went and talked to, talk to the, the 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 New Orleans Saints, and the Raiders allowed it, and it ended up as you said at the time. I bet you they sat down and talked and said, "Okay, we want to do this," but guess what? We'll wait till you're a free agent, and then we'll come back and talk to you. And that's exactly what happened.
1: Absolutely, and I think again to reiterate, the contract is set up so that sixty million the first two years, then ten million if he's on the on roster in twenty twenty four, and then another thirty. But the Saints have it now after year two, where the Raiders had their out after year one at the year one that extension. So yes. Saints can get out after year two. I don't think they're going to cut him after year one because they would be on the hook for about fifty two point eight million in dead money. So yeah. he's going to be there for at least two years for financial purposes. So, as you said, I think Derek Carr, with the quarterback market the way it is, a lot of people were saying Derek Carr is not going to get more than 25 million. Derek Carr is not going to get more than 20 million. I'm like, do you know what the quarterback market is these (laughs) days? The going rate? We got Daniel Jones out here asking for 45 million. Now, he's not going to get that, but still, the quarterback market for tier two guys, again, is about 30, 35 million. And people, People will say, well, we need to stop talking about Derek Carr. And I think it's important, again, it's important, I reiterate this, it's important that we do have this conversation because Jimmy Garoppolo is in that same tier. Yes. No matter how you feel about Derek Carr, the league has Jer- Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo in that same tier. So if Derek Carr is getting in the low to mid-30s, then that's Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be around that mark, give it take five minutes.
0: Right, and even like a Jacoby Brissett, not in that range, a lower than that, of course, but still it sets the market. Right, It sets the market for the other veteran quarterbacks based on where they're at. So you have an idea if the Raiders do sign another veteran outside of a Jarrett Stidham, for example, what they might have to pay is based on those numbers. So that's why it's important. It's a good point. Uh, rest of this segment, I want to talk about the NFL Combine, Mo. NFL Combine takeaways for the Raiders. Listen, the focus of this Combine, again, just like everything else in the NFL – was on the quarterbacks, okay? The quarterbacks, it tells you where the NFL is at. So all of you Raider fans out there who I respect and love the interaction, defense, 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 guess what, the quarterback is still and will be for a long, long time until something changes, the most important position on the field. So guess what happens at the NFL Combine in a year where you have a handful of quarterbacks that are making names for themselves, that becomes a story, and of course, the, the big name that rose up, of course you have C.J. Stroud, you have Bryce Young. They've been the number one, two for, for months since the college football season started. Will Levis was there. He's kind of fallen back a little bit. Now you have Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson now is the bell of the ball. Everybody is just excited about Anthony Richardson. Raider fans are excited. They want to draft him. They want to move up to draft him. We're seeing all these reports. And, Mo, here's my point. You know I've been on this for a week, which is this hype is ridiculous, I think. Look, young man is talented. Young man has unbelievable abilities in their raw form. But Richardson, to me, is the highest risk and maybe highest reward – but definitely the highest risk. It reeks of a Al Davis pick later in his life to me because you get so blinded by his raw ability and some of these GMs. And by the way, I'll be self-critical. The media is ridiculous on this kid. The media is in love with him, promoting the hell out of him. Uh, and and to me, uh, I just don't understand it because the tape doesn't lie, okay? Guys running around in their pajamas does not impress me as much as guys on film in their college games. Tell me if I'm wrong, and tell me that I'm right because you know I am.
1: You're not wrong, <laughs> and I said this. You're, I said this on my Bleacher Report live show on Friday uh-huh. as a as a parting message that yes, you want to pay attention to the testing. Because the testing will either confirm what you saw on film and tape, or it'll make you go back and question some of the things that you thought you knew about that prospect. But don't fall too far in love with the underwear Olympics, because <laughs> that's not that's not a that's not a simulation of an actual game. No. You see quarterbacks throwing again, there are no defenders, there's no pass rush. <laughs> You know, there there's no clock management. There's no high pressure situation in terms of another team defending you. Now they have to perform. It's in it's a live interview that there's that type of pressure. But as far as a defense in front of a quarterback or a wide receiver, right. a running back, it's totally it's not that. So your best indication, your best assessment of a player is which is what he put on film over the past. Year, two, three years. It's not what you see at the combine. Now, hmm. there are certain things I think that are important at the combine as far as the measurements are concerned. Because, you know, as far as often, I'll just use offensive tackles as an example. The average offensive tackle has an arm length of 34 inch- inches. So if a tackle comes to the combine and he-, and he measures at 32 and 7 eighths, you may question if he could play the position on the pro level. But as far as the testing is concerned with the quarterbacks, I like what I saw out of Anthony Richardson, but, but I knew he was not uh, a physical specimen, so I, I didn't expect him to you know have all right. these records, but I knew he was going to test well.
0: Right, but the, the records, I mean, listen, these are combine records, folks. Oh, he beat Cam Newton's record and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. I'm, I, w- I want to remind people of this because, yes, raw ability matters. There's no question that this young man, if he could put it together, could be lethal, but if he gets drafted in the top of the first round, like some people are saying, Mo. Uh, He'll join a very small group, right? In the last 10 drafts, three quarterbacks who completed fewer than 55% of their passes have been drafted. Trey Lance is one of them, okay? Now, Trey Lance came off a COVID year where they had one game, so that's why maybe he was under 55%. The other two were Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg and Trace McSorley, who went as a six-round pick to the Ravens in 2019, as clearly as a backup quarterback. That's it. So 55% doesn't usually cut it. You look at, he doesn't have dominant college tape like you talked about. You look at the comparison because a lot of people, Mo, want to compare him to Cam Newton. And I understand it. It's his childhood hero. Uh, He went number one in 2011. I get it. But remember, here's the key difference, folks. So don't talk to me about Cam Newton because Cam Newton was coming off one of the most dominant seasons in college football history when he came out. He carried an Auburn team Okay, the entire year. So this is not the situation with Anthony Richardson. He started just one season in college. He was six and six record, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 53.8 percent completion percentage. No quarterback in the past 20 years has had success with similar marks like that coming out of college, including the completion rate. Now, there's always the guy who changes the, the dynamic and could blow it away, be a Cinderella story. But Mo, if I'm the Raiders, and I'm specifically talking about the Raiders now, if I'm the Raiders, and I am I as as Dave Ziegler, am I going to put my job on the line for this guy? Absolutely, effing not.
1: I'll say this for the uh, Andy Richardson people: I could see it on one side. If you're another team like the Colts, because I think the Colts would would consider Andy Richardson. I actually think the Colts are going to draft him at four, because <laughs> I think with Chris Ballard. Maybe once an athletic quarterback, uh, yeah. Shane Steichen, the new head coach, just coached Jalen Hurts to a, a Super Bowl. Now, of course, different body types, but as far as being a dual threat quarterback, Anthony Richardson fits in that mold. As far as it relates to the Raiders are concerned, I, I think with Josh McDaniels' offense, he wants a quarterback who's going to be accurate in the intermediate and short zones, and that was my question mark about Anthony Richardson. That's where he struggled because he puts a lot of velocity on his passes. I think he, the way I see it, is he's a one speed thrower. So yeah. he's throwing darts downfield, 20 yards downfield. He's also throwing darts 5 to 10 yards. In the <laughs> Which short is why season. he's not accurate.
0: That's why and, he's not accurate.
1: And and, part, and the part of that is also his footwork. I think he admitted this, that he has to marry his footwork with his, yeah. uh, with his upper body and his arm. And I think that's an accurate assessment, or criticism of himself. So I think it's important to note those things with Josh McDeal's offense because he's going to be looking for a quarterback to beat accurate in the middle of the field and anthony richardson was not that now you can put out all the numbers and you can add context to it and say well he didn't have you know nfl talent around him in florida which is true he didn't have a, an elite head coach on a collegiate level which is true as cj stroud had he had cj stroud great supporting cast we know what ryan day has done at Ohio state but you know anthony richardson didn't have that coaching and he didn't have that supporting cast so i understand that my problem again is I don't think I just don't think he fits with what Josh McDaniels wants as far as again throwing in the middle of the field and getting those easy first downs and moving the chains because as I said before the one thing that drives coaches crazy offensive play calls is when you can't make the easy throws I think until he shows that he can adjust his velocity that's going to be an issue
0: not only that but again the 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 completion percentage and and people kept pointing well you got to watch him in the Utah game well the Utah game He ran three plays. That was it. I mean, he ran three plays. That was the whole game of why it was such a spectacle to watch. And listen, he's just not ready. This kid could have used another year in in college football, but I get it. If if somebody is desperate enough and willing to sacrifice their job to take him, i.e. the Colts, in the top 10, if this is a second rounder or a third rounder, okay, I get it. You give him two years, see how he does. But it's crazy, and I don't think the Raiders – look, all draft picks are a risk. No, no GM hits on everybody, but if I need a quarterback and I'm looking for my franchise guy, I'm not going to take a guy who's going to have a 90% chance of not making it, and I'm just making the 90% up. But I'll take, I'll take a C.J. Stroud, even a Bryce Young with his small size and everybody criticizing that. I'll take a Will Levis. Over This guy because I have more tape on him and I can tell you and I can see what he needs to fix, but I can also see what he does well. So, all right, we went long on this segment because we had so much to talk about. We'll we'll continue some of the combine talk when we come back. We got lots to talk about here on silver and black today and obviously original podcast. You're with Mo and Scott. Don't go anywhere. We're coming back right after this. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm your host, Scott Cobranston, and my co-host, my partner in all of this is Mr. Mo Moten. Producer is David Stepanian. Thank you all for being with us again. We appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscription and hit the notifications bell. Okay, Mo, we talked about the first segment. We ended the first segment with the combine stuff, but I got to continue this because... um The Combine Cup, I used to love the Combine. Now I sort of despise it because I think that as a media group, we have gotten so enamored with covering these guys that we don't always look at it objectively. We're talking about stats and numbers. And while there are things you need to pay attention to, important to scouts, again, I go back to what, what so many people are saying anonymously from NFL teams in the press, by the way. I don't know why they won't put their name on it because the NFL loves the combine, apparently, is the fact that, that the tape is what matters. And so you go to this thing, and suddenly it's a big groupthink exercise. I can't believe I hear people I respect. There's lots of people I respect, and, and, and I disagree with them, and, and that's totally cool. But I watch them, and they're all saying the same thing. We have people commenting like they're a matinee idol, Oh, look at his biceps. Like to me, it's just really odd. It, it, it's, it's, we've, we've not progressed past the point where it's just about performance. We're getting all this weird take on, well, yeah, if a kid's a good kid, of course, what's he going to do? Get up there and tell you he's not a good person. It's just really odd to me the way the combine has grown, the way the combine has changed. Where are we? Mo- has it become too much of a groupthink exercise? Has it lost some of its effectiveness?
1: I honestly believe it's because of what social media has become. So, a lot of people Mm, want to post things for their clicks and links and sound bites and stuff like that. So, they're trying to, you know, pet up these players just to get that, just to get the eyes on their work. So, I think it's probably before social media blew up, went to the combat, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Because I remember, I forgot who told the story about Calvin Johnson. And I apologize, but. Someone told a story about Calvin Johnson going to the combine in his year, and he didn't know that cameras were going to be there. He wasn't going to run the 40. And mm-hmm. when he found out that cameras were going to be there, he's, he you know, told his guy to get get my cleats. And he ran, <laughs> he ran a 4-4 four, four flat. And, and, that, and I, I tell that story because it goes to show how much when you, when you know the attention is on you, when you know they are going to be extra eyes on you, you tend to do a little more. And I sure. think that goes for the media. So when the media, the media understands that whatever they tweet out of the combine, being on site, is going to get picked up by these out- media outlets and, and websites. So they're going to say things to, to I don't want to say outrageous things, but they're going to they're going to fluff up their content just so that they can get traction. So they make it, in my sense, I see it as a way to make it about them as well as the players. So they're trying to take some of that shine. But I will agree with you in the sense that I think we overblow some of the things at the combat, the 40, I love watching guys run to 40, mm-hmm. but to me, it is an overrated drill, Simply because your, your offensive line, I think Jermaine Illuminati Raiders, offensive tackle said this, your offensive linemen are not running 40 yards down. <laughs> for so who cares what their 40 is? You know? I know,
0: it, it, like it's like, it's the only indicator if if that offensive lineman's a good athlete,
1: what you're looking at with offensive linemen is the explosiveness, the 10 yard split, because that, that's important. The drills are important. The the mirror Joe and have to mirror the defender and, and make yeah. sure they stay in front of the guy. That's important. The forty for an offensive lineman is not important. I mean, the <laughs> even for QBs. How many QBs are running? Unless you're Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. How many QBs are running forty yards down the field? Now it was great to see with Anthony Richardson, but like C.J. Stroud, I don't think he even ran because it didn't make any sense because he's not going to be running forty yards down field for the most part.
0: No, and are you – I mean, like, some of the agility drills, I get it. The vertical drills. um, Explosiveness. I mean, Anthony Richardson, yeah, the explosiveness. You get that a little bit. You understand it, and so you do that. It's just remarkable to me, though, again, that there will be some GMs who fall into this. There will be GMs who are going to fall in love with a guy because of the combine, and I'm telling you, a few of them will lose their jobs because of it because they get sucked in – To the narrative and they lose all sense we see it happen every year I mean you look at some of the guys last year at the combine I even go back to a guy that I actually love as a receiver but he has not been an all pro and that was DK Metcalf remember he kept falling in the draft but man DK Metcalf running in the combine DK Metcalf was going to be Calvin Johnson he was going to be the next hall of fame wide receiver right hasn't happened yet hasn't not even close yet he's a good wide receiver don't get me wrong but, but this stuff, I just it, – it gets, I think, for fans, fans who fall into it. And I'm not being critical of fans. I'm just saying a lot of people get hyped up about it. You and I are seeing it with the interactions we have with Raider Nation. They're getting these high expectations for these kids based on running in their underwear like we talked about. And to me, that's dangerous. You have to think more about some of these scouts, some of these draft guys who do things based on the college shape. To me, listen – can guys surprise you at the combine and come out of nowhere because they went to a small school or something? Absolutely. But overall I think people just need to temper their expectations and understand that they're all there guessing too.
1: Here's the thing, two things. One, I think a lot of the combine ooze and ahs are coming from people who didn't watch a lot of film or tape. And I don't say that condescendingly, but let's no. be honest, a lot of people are not pouring over film and tape all day. You know, I, I mean, I'll admit I'm not watching as much film as the film junkies out there. So some of these guys that showed up at the combine were, were kind of new to me and what they could do. But if you're not watching a lot of film and tape, you're going to be in ooh and awe of a guy who runs a fast 40, does well in the drills because that's your first exposure to that person. Now, the other thing is I want to I want to say that the combine is still important. I don't want to throw out the combine and tell people don't watch the combine. because It's not important because it is. Because that, Again, I point out the drills, the drill mm-hmm. sessions. To me, in my opinion, are much more important than the 40s. I just think the 40s are overrated. But as far as, as like you know, doing the position drills, that's important because a guy like Kaylee Ringo, who didn't track the ball well in his position drills as a cornerback, people are going to question. Well, is he going to be able to pick off passes in the NFL? Is he worth a first round pick right. at that point? Now he ran a fast 40. I think he ran a 4.36, but I don't think he did all that well in the position drills, and I think that's more important. So if you're looking at, if you want to have something to pay attention at the combine the position drills. And even though we're not going to hear about what got, what went on behind closed doors, the interviews are important. Interviews. And of course the medic and of course the medicals for guys yeah. who have off injuries. So yeah. those three things to me are the things you want to look at.
0: Medical and interviews. Absolutely. Mo. And I think the position drills you're talking about are important because you might, for example, for an NFL team, they might say, Hey, we like this cornerback. He's out of Alcorn state, somewhere like that. We like to film on him, right? We see him. He plays well. He's playing competition. That's not of course, sec competition. So we get him out on the field and we run him through drills to see, hey, could we coach this kid up? Does he have the ability to make it to the next level? Does he have lateral movement that looks good on tape, but we need to see it in person to see. So I agree with you 100% there. It's not the sexy stuff, right, that we're sold, the 40 and the vertical and the throwing of the court. Now the quarterback's throwing, okay, I get it, right? But again, the quarterback who threw the ball the best, the two quarterbacks who threw the ball the best are not the talk of the combine that of course was CJ Stroud and Will Levis threw the ball the best but they're not the two guys uh that are still leading the charge it's Anthony Richardson and it's it's still Bryce Young so so again that goes to show you the mixture so yes i agree you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater no question it still has value i just think the group think because of and i didn't think of it your way and i agree with you 100% is the social media machine and how people talk about this stuff and going to get themselves into a, an uproar based on a tweet from a reporter here, a tweet from an analyst here, a tweet from a coach there. And suddenly this guy is going to be uh, maybe the number one overall pick when a lot of people projected he might go in the third round uh, in this draft. So just craziness, but uh, interesting. Uh, and I think that's what fans need to do, right, Mo, is they need to just look at it and say, if you're going to watch the combine stuff in future years or go back and watch some of it, if you missed it, is watch those position drills, the stuff that might not make it on Sports Center, but it is the stuff that you want to go back and take a look at if you're really interested in a player.
1: Now the Raiders don't need, they don't have a high need at wide receiver, but talking about position drills, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, he mm-hmm. with his uh catch gauntlet drill, well, that was a teaching test for the catch and gauntlet drill. Ran in a straight line, hands up, hands away from his body, able to pull the ball in. Again, straight line all the way through. And he was coming off. I believe he had a he missed a lot of time because of a hamstring injury this past yep. season. So he didn't play yep. a lot of games. So seeing him coming off that injury doing that drill at, at ease was an eye-opener. I think that's something like that is important. Again, it's not going to get all the highlights because everyone's paying attention to the 40 and the vertical and the broad jump. But something like that you can look at with a play and go, We want a guy like that because he can run, he can run slants and crosses at ease and, and move the chain. So I think with Jackson and Jacob Smith, he definitely raised his stock. Could be one of the top wide receivers off the board.
0: Mo, before we move on uh, and take our final break uh, here on Silver and Black today, I want to ask you a couple of guys that stick out. Of course, we know the Raiders needs lots of them on defense. Uh, up front, the draft is deep at defensive end. It's pretty dang good in the middle, too. Defensive tackle as well as defensive back. Very deep. Uh, did anybody stick out to you that wasn't on your radar before the combine that
1: you say, hey, that might
0: be a good fit for the Raiders?
1: I hope I don't butcher his name. <sighs> okay, <laughs> i <I'll take one. laughs> Out of Tamiwa, out of Bore, out of Northwestern defensive end. Very good. Ran a fast 40, also did well in the drills, looked very agile. It's a guy that wasn't on my radar coming into the combine. This is what I mean, that yeah, I watch film, but I'm not, I'm not pouring over for hours like some of the junkies out there. He wasn't on my radar, but his, four, his, uh, his performance at the Combine definitely stuck out to me as a guy that could be a second, third rounder. If the Raiders want to go in the second, third round and have a guy come up, come up behind Chandler Jones, mm-hmm. boy could be a guy that they look at. He stood out. I think he was one of the biggest winners at the Combine.
0: Yeah, in fact, you, you texted me about him the day you saw him. You were like, man, I was impressed with this guy. And so I went back and watched, it and I'm like, I can see why. Uh, quickness was awesome. Like, he, you, you can see him, and you think about it, yeah, you get in the second or third round and give him a year or two to develop. Uh, could be very good, and, and could be the situation like you see with Max Crosby where you get a guy who's a little underrated, needs a tad bit of work, not a ton, uh, and he could really surprise and end up be, becoming a really stellar NFL player
1: here's the i'll go on the other side and give you a concern not that this guy didn't do well at the combine but yeah. Tuli tui palatu who i mentioned last yes. week and i had to slow down before i butchered his name <laughs> he only weighed in at 266 pounds I you're was not shocked. Gonna play you're not gonna play and this is that's another important part of the combine is that these school websites can list whatever they want similar to your driver's license i on my driver's license i could put that i'm 6 <laughs> two and i and i'm well under 62. The school's can put whatever they want on these websites. So, wait, you're not 6'2? <laughs> surprise, people. I'm not 6'2. But I mean, it's just like the driver's license, the school can put whatever they want. He was listed, I believe, at 6'4, 290.
0: Mm. And to
1: go to the combine and tip the 30 at pounds, 66. Yeah. That's a big jump. So yeah. he's not going to play defensive tackle next level. He's probably going to have to remain outside. I don't know if the Raiders are going to want a tweener. It, it depends on what they see on film and they think he yeah. can transition. That's another important part. The measurements, the height, the weight, the arm length, as I mentioned earlier.
0: No question. It, interesting, interesting times. All right. We're going to take our final break. When we come back here on Silver and Black today with Mo and Scott, we are going to talk about free agency. Oh, yeah. The free agent period, we talked about at the start of the show, the two quarterbacks on Monday, but it's been quiet on the free agent front. In fact, it's been eerily quiet on the free agent front. So we'll talk about what implication that may have for the Raiders and when we might start to see some action there. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We will be back right after these words. Welcome back. It is the home stretch here on Silver and Black Today. We appreciate you guys being with us. As always, if you haven't subscribed to the show, do us a favor and do that. Turn on auto download. You can get it wherever you want. What I love to do is walk in the house and say, hey, Alexa, play Silver and Black today. And then it tells me, why do you want to listen to that? No, it, it just plays it. So there you go. Wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to it. I am Scott Cobranston, your host, along with the man. And we can't do a show now without it. And that is, of course, my partner, Mr. Midtown Mo Moten.
1: <laughs> it's a
0: Midtown Mo. we can't man okay like the the the, the fans uh. they the listeners they they gotta hear it and i i love it because i take a shot at a lot of stuff right i mean when i go back to 2017 and i started the website silver and black today i started the, sh- the podcast which then led to numerous radio shows and you know being on Raider Nation Radio and being on CBS Sports Radio and being on Odyssey Now as this national podcast covering the Raiders lots of ideas I throw things at the wall some of them really work this Midtown Mo thing is catching on mo I see people calling you Midtown it's not just like once it's like regularly now
1: I, and I said this on the previous show last week I said it's actually really catching. is more than a handful of people who now <laughs> refer to me as Midtown Mo I almost changed my Twitter handle I may still consider it who knows? I'll, I maybe I'll, I'll think about it again in a couple of months to see if it's if it's widespread. If I get a national reporter or writer refer to me as Midtown Mo, then don't be surprised. If
0: I <laughs> well, and I want to get I want to get Broadway Joe Namath oh, to say, "Hey, Midtown Mo, I'm Broadway." Joe. I mean, listen, look, there's only two of you. There's Broadway Joe and there's Midtown Mo.
1: We gotta get Kelly to to do to to get Tim Brown to address me as Midtown Mo. If Kelly can get Tim Brown to address me as Midtown Mo, then I'll definitely officially oh change.
0: Oh my name. goodness. That would be good. But I'm just glad I catch on. By the way, he is Midtown Mo Moton. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. You can also catch his Raiders content. He is a columnist up on sportsnot.com. You can catch my work up there too when I get off my button right there. Uh, and you can follow me on twitter lv gully also the show snb today and you can find us on youtube where you can subscribe and hit the notifications bell for us as well all right mo so we talked about the combine which is really pre-draft right we're going to get into a lot of draft talk over the next 7 weeks until the draft happens but what about free agency you and i have talked about for weeks that, listen, the Raiders draft, even at the quarterback position, would be informed by what they do in free agency. Now, we see Derek Carr, we see Geno Smith, the two big dominoes to fall early in this period of time for free agents uh, as far as quarterbacks go. But overall, a lot of talk around the league about this, Mo, is that the free agent market and the free agent movement has been almost completely non-existent we've not seen any moves happen here which is strange usually even smaller moves you start to see happen but there's been nothing uh and i wonder too what that means for the raiders but mo just the overall issue the lack of free agency signing so far what do you think is the cause and how do you think it'll impact the las vegas raiders
1: just so we're clear here guys cannot sign until Monday, the legal tampering period opens. I believe on the thirteenth. Correct. Just, Correct. just want to put that out there. But as far as the lack of moves are concerned, with guys getting released and signing like Derek Carr, once you if a team releases you, you you're free to sign wherever you want. So those guys, free agency starts early for them.
0: Right, but but, the but, now, Mo, but even but even well, what I mean by this though is we know guys. Even though you can't you can't officially sign, look at the last two years. There was guys. There was. The deals leak out, of course, because the agents put them out there. We've seen like none of that.
1: Well, if you if you were pay, following the combine, I don't know if you were, <laughs> but uh, I believe Matthew Judon, now this isn't a free agent move a signing, but he, he said DeAndre Hopkins to the Patriots. Right. I'm just saying. Now, I think the Cardinals are going to move him because they have a new front office, and he mm-hmm. wants a new deal, reportedly. I think Jordan Schultz of The Score said this, so I think he eventually gets moved. But I, I get to your point about, at times in years, we've known like, okay, this player is probably going to sign here. This player is mm-hmm. probably going to sign there. One, I, I would say, kudos to the teams for for keeping their their targets under wraps. And as I said, the other thing is, I think at certain positions, the 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 market is going to be slow. It's like wide receiver, right? Yeah, wide receiver position. I think Juju Smith Schuster and Jacoby Myers are going to be the top guys in free agency at the wide receiver position. Not a lot of star power there. So I think what's going what's gonna to wind up happening is those two guys are going to feel their offers and take their time. So if a market is very thin, there's really no rush to even commit and there, for there to be a leak. So a guy may say, okay, I'm going to have five or six offers. I don't have any rush. Let these teams get into a bidding war for me, and then I'll decide where I want to go. Whereas before, maybe guys have maybe decided early, and then it gets to the team, it gets to reporters, somebody leaks it. But, I mean, Derek Carr being the first – major domino fall mm-hmm. i think the trade market this year is going to be more interesting than the free agent mm-hmm. market uh aaron Rodgers, as we talked about earlier i just mentioned deandre hopkins reportedly i read a report money that the titans are shopping derrick henry mm-hmm. Jalen ramsey's out there and we spoke about him so if you're mm-hmm. looking for some off-season fun as far as personnel moves are concerned take a look at the trade market because a lot of guys are going to be on the move
0: that's what I was, that was my point in bringing this up was the free agent market. You know, you have guys out there, of course, and some, some names, but the trade market, we've seen the trade market, including the Raiders last year with, with obviously the Devonte Adams trade. We've seen this trade market in the NFL really heat up as teams move around. Now you have the draft too, right? So you have the draft coming up. You have draft capital teams are going to get more draft capital. So they might be willing to make other deals. We talked about the Bears. You know, The Bears look to be trading the number one pick away, but who knows? They also have a quarterback that, depending who you talk to, they're in love with or they're not. And so they might end up looking to move Justin Fields. We haven't heard that lately, but you just never know. So this whole market and what's happening in the NFL, we now know the Raiders are going to have $235 million as their cap, because the the cap is 224, the Raiders adjusted, carryover is 11 million. So you look at the Raiders, the Raiders not only have the ability to go sign free agents, Mo, and of course to, to draft who they need to draft, but they also have the ability to swing a trade for a guy who might have a bigger cap number because of that room.
1: And I'll connect this back to the Jalen Ramsey conversation again. I really think the Raiders should consider bringing Jalen Ramsey in. And remember, when he left Jacksonville, he listed the Raiders and Tennessee Titans as the teams that he would be interested in. Now, he's a a Tennessee State native, so that makes sense. I don't know how he feels about the Raiders now, but – and remember I said this. The Raiders need to go cheap at quarterback so they can build their defense. If you go cheap at quarterback, you can afford a guy like Jalen Ramsey on the back end who could solidify your secondary. So, as you mentioned the Devontae Adams, deal, I think with the way Dave Ziegler has operated, and this goes back to last week's show, we talked about this, he's not going to telegraph his moves. A lot of people want to know what's the plan? What's the plan of quarterback? What are they doing? Dave Ziegler is very, very, very close to the best with his plan. So, if he, he could surprise you with a trade you didn't even think of, the one, again, yeah. the one that I think everyone's paying attention to is Jalen Ramsey, but don't be surprised if there's another guy that we don't know is on the trade block that the Raiders try to acquire.
0: No question. And I, and I think that that's what's going to be interesting about this Raider squad. And, and actually, to your point, with the, and I'm, going to, I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent here. And we've talked about this here on the show before, Mo, which is the fact that the media today is different because you start to see, yes, you see leaks, right? Who do they come from? Like, like the car deal? Agents. They come from agents, fire, but, fire but agents. who's reporting them? The guys that work for NFL Network. And yeah, ESPN here and there too, right? They get their little share of them as well. But overall, you you see state-run media. Let's call it what it is. We all watch it. We all consume it. I understand, but it's state-run media. So I think that's part of the reason we're not seeing more leaks about interest in deals and all this kind of stuff is because the teams are like, well, I'm not going to leak it to the local beat guy or the agent's not going to leak it to the local beat guy. They're going to link it to the guy at the NFL Network who they know is going to channel it, has more viewers, has more reach, and do all of that. So, so it's sort of interesting to see all this at play because this time of the year, you go back 10 years and you had people breaking stories all over the p- place about stuff. So just an interesting side note from my perspective.
1: And that this is related, but not a continuation of what you said. But fans listening to me right now, I want I want fans to understand. And I mentioned agents and how they, you know, they leak things to reporters or whatever. Pay attention to how things are reported. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I go back to say that things get out because people want them out. So I'll I'll use Derek Carr as an example. Sunday night, a report came out from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. He said that. Panthers, Saints, and Jets are in on Derek Carr, but Derek Carr is leaning toward the Jets. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted, I said, I, I, I want to see Derek Carr in New York because I want to see how he does in this market, but I still think he goes to the Saints. And what happened on Monday? He signed with the Saints. So I want to decipher that really quick. <laughs> when, you, when you see a tweet like that from Jeremy Fowler saying, Derek Carr is leaning to the Jets, that was a nudge from, in my opinion, that was a nudge from J- Derek Carr's agent to say, Jets, hurry up and make your decision. Because we're yeah. not going to wait around for you right. to wait around on Aaron Rodgers. We want to make a decision now because, remember, reports were out that Derek Carr wants to sign with the team before free agency officially begins. And the Jets are sitting on their heels waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers does. And Aaron Rodgers, we don't know when he's going to make his decision. Right. So right. when that tweet comes out, when that report comes out, to me, it was a nudge to say, look, we want to sign now. We're interested in you, but you have to commit to us right now. We're not going to wait around. For you and Aaron Rodgers, another three four days. So again, when something gets out, a report like that, a rumor like that gets out. Be mindful of who would want it out and why.
0: Right, and and I have to. I will tell you, despite my my dislike for as a as a quote unquote journalist or commentator for D- David Carr, I don't know the guy, so I don't dislike him personally. But but the Carr PR machine <laughs> did a masterful job. It did. It really did throughout this whole process outside of the stupid podcast thing that David Carr was doing. It really did. A, a. It was a well-oiled machine. You have to give credit to the Carr camp. They played it perfectly. And you just gave a great example of why, right? Not only does that tell the Jets, Hey, hello, give us a decision, but it also tells the saints, guess what? The Jets are still interested. You may want to close this deal now before we get the offer from the Jets so they can play both sides of it. And it was really done well. And I think a lot of NFL players who are watching it uh, should take note of it and, and use the tactics. Sometimes we dislike them because we know where they're coming from. But hey, it works. And as long as it works, other people are going to do it. So we'll see how that all uh, shakes out. But yeah, I, I agree. Mar- the, 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 the free agent market, we don't know yet until until next week. But the trade market, I think, is going to heat up and we're going to see what happens. Mo, what's your gut telling you? Before we uh, say goodbye to everybody here on this episode of Silver and Black today, what's your gut tell you on the Raiders and a veteran quarterback uh, when it comes to uh, – I think they're going to sign Jarrett Stidham here within the next week, uh, and I think that's going to be it for a while.
1: I think, they signed, I think they're definitely going to re-sign Jarrett Stidham as a placeholder because I think they're not sure what Jimmy Garoppolo's market is going to be. Right. You know, because there are gonna be multiple teams going after uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. The Jets could be in on Jimmy Garoppolo if they don't get Aaron Rodgers. So it would be prudent for the Raiders to get to keep Jared Stidham under the belt just so that you have a veteran who knows the system in place and they can go from there. The other move I think the Raiders should make, and I tweeted about this over the past weekend, I think they should resign Jermaine Aluminar. Yep. And and simply because right tackles on the free agent market are gonna be going for about 14, 15 million and up. I think he can get a Luminar for half that. And he was pretty solid. Again, I know he had the penalties. That was his first year as a full-time star. I think he can vastly improve in the area, but he's already good in pass protection. I think one of the priorities should be to re-sign him. And if you're gonna look on the defensive side of the ball, re-sign Rocky Sin. So those are the two thi- those are the two moves that I'm that I'm really, really looking for. But uh, one more car point before we get off air. <laughs> uh, I, I, one more, I, one more I, I'm just gonna one more thing. As far as this contract kind of is concerned. Remember, he was going into 2023, 40.4 million guaranteed. He over the next two years, he is now getting 60 million. So, for you people out there saying that, to your point about Carr's PR machine did a good job, whatever you want to call it, he is better off now than he was with the Raiders. I'm not saying yes. the Raiders are. I'm saying he, as an individual, his situation now goes with yes. with a with a with a consistent front office. They have a top five defense. Now they need some. They need some skill players because we don't know what's going to happen to Alvin Kamara and Michael right. Thomas may be out of there. But he's in a very good situation in a weak division, being paid good money.
0: Well, and Mo, before we go here, uh, I will say too, the they are they are right now the the favorites to win that division. Right. Just be, because he's there now, we'll see what Carolina does. They could end up doing something. We're hearing that's where you're hearing about Derrick Henry possibly going, which is interesting. And whoever they get at quarterback, a young quarterback, whatever happens there. But either way, Derek Carr gave himself a chance to win now, and he made more money. So whether you like Derek Carr or not, uh, good for him, and uh, we wish him the best over there. We'll see how it all ends up. Mo, before we go, anything you want to tell people about you got going? You had your, your Bleacher Report live on Friday, which was awesome. What else is coming up this week people need to pay attention to?
1: Got another live show, Bleacher Report. So I'll be midtown Mo again on Thursday Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. I'll leave that. I'll leave the subject t- TBD. I like to <laughs> surprise people. The other thing is at the end of the week, probably I'll probably have this out on Saturday because I want to give things time to marinate after the franchise tag deadline and releases and all this other stuff. I'm gonna have a free agency primer for specifically for the Raiders. So I'm gonna have targets at each position of need, maybe three four guys mm. that i think the raiders should either target or look at or consider signing in the, in the next week
0: which means we will talk about that on the show next week also uh yeah so make sure you do that follow him on twitter m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n read him on Bleach report and also on sportsnot.com uh, where you can catch all his stuff my friend take care of yourself we'll talk okay. to you on thursday same to you All right. So thank you guys for being with us again. We appreciate it. And yes, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the fact that Josh Jacobs was officially tagged, but we'll get to that on Thursday's show, what it means and what's happening as well. Until then, we appreciate you being with us. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Anywhere you get your audio, just do that. And then if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, always fun in the chat. Thank you guys again for being with us as you are every Tuesday and Thursday night at nine Eastern six Pacific. Thank you for that. Uh, Make sure you hit subscription and the notifications bell. All right. For our producer, David Stepandi from Omoten, I am Scott Branson. We'll see you next time here on Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Bye, everybody.